Good morning, CCF. There you go. The, the, the faithful strong, as I will call you, those able to fight off this crazy COVID thing going around. My wife got it a week ago. Did I isolate from her? No, I did not. Did I get the disease? No, I did not, because I'm just too strong. I refuse. Uh, but I'm glad you came this morning. It's not an easy choice, I know, in this time of pandemic that we're living in, and so I'm really uh, glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Keevan. Uh, this is my family. Um, I'm on staff here at CCF. Uh, I should say my wife and I are on staff here at CCF. Um, oh, that seems stretched. We seem really tall. Um, yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, my son, this is our son, Ethan, and his wife, Hayden. Ethan is a children's minister in Illinois. And our daughter, Emma, on the other side, is a starving artist in Springfield, Missouri, living the good life, just drawing all day long. So um, that's our family. Um, you can decide who's like fudge and who's a little nuts. Um, I love my family. My second family... There they are, the CCF staff. Let me tell you, if you, could, if you could actually get the choice or the option to work with people that literally are your best friends, you really should do it. It is a whole lot of fun. Um, it is amazing that we get anything done. Um, Reed, of course, didn't get a Christmas card this year because of what he tried to do to our brand new van with his truck. And I've been cleaning up after Derek since 2002, which I'm very happy to do. I, I actually prefer to vacuum than probably be standing up here talking to you. But... Uh, that's another story. And one more family. This is the church family. Um, Derek mentioned this, I think, on Wednesday, and Kim was here the Sunday before or something. I, I don't remember when Kim was here exactly. Um, they're a CCF alum, and uh, so they sat in these seats where you guys now sit, and they uh, made the decision to serve the Lord in Uganda. And so they've been there for quite a while, and uh, their family has grown up there, and they're getting ready to go back in March. And CCF, as a ministry, we support them, so that's why we call them our missionaries, just like a church supports missionaries. Uh, and so we wanted, Derek mentioned this um, on Wednesday, we want to take up a special offering uh, for them to help them uh, get back. You can imagine how expensive it is to fly that many people uh, to Uganda, and, uh, but they are excited about getting back home. And, uh, and so if you feel inclined and would like to help out, there's a popcorn bucket right back there. If, you still, if people still carry cash, I don't know if that's a real thing anymore. Uh, but you could throw cash in that popcorn bucket. Probably the more real thing is we have a CCF Venmo account. And so you can Venmo some money and uh, just put in the message for the church family or Uganda. We'll know uh, what it's for. And, uh, and Derek says that CCF will match whatever you give. So let's, let's press that. Let's really put CCF to the test here. Let's give generously. And actually, let's just really love on this family and support them uh, for the work that they are doing in Uganda. And so I want to pray for them real quick before, before we get started. Father, we thank you uh, so much for Ben and Kim and their kids and, and uh, just uh, their heart to share your good news uh, with the people in, in Uganda and to live alongside them. Um, I know that they make sacrifices to do that. Uh, They're away from their own families uh, for years at a time. And, uh, but I also know that they love the people in Uganda and uh, they call that home. 
And so I just pray that uh, you will bless them, uh, Father, um, as they prepare to go back in March, that you will keep them uh, healthy and safe. And uh, I pray that we could also just be a blessing to them uh, monetarily in a way, that we would also remember to pray for them. Uh, and so, yeah, if you would want to impress on our hearts to give, that we would give generously um, to support uh, this family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to talk to you about something that I have talked about before, but probably I will talk about again because I think it's just an important uh, topic for us to keep in the forefront of our mind, and that is I want to talk about faith. Uh, and particularly I want to talk about what it looks like to live out a life of faith. Um, if you were to look at the Oxford Dictionary to define what faith is, it says this. It says, faith is one, complete trust or confidence in someone or something, or two, a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on a spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Now, that second one, I was a little like, well, I don't really like that second one. No, that word apprehension seems uh, negative to me. But then, you know, I'm not the smartest guy, but I looked it up. And actually, there's a lot of definitions for the word apprehension. And and part of it is just basically to, uh, a spiritual understanding. And, uh, and so I'm like, one, I don't know why they would have more than one definition for one word, but whatever. <coughs> I'm, I'll leave all the word stuff to Derek and Reed. Um, but if you really want to know what, more importantly, what faith is and how it's defined, we should probably look at, at God's word and how it defines uh, that. And we can find that definition in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 11, chapter 1 or chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I put up there verses 2 and 3 because I like them too, but I'm not going to read them. Because the number one, verse 1 is the most important thing. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So here we kind of have a definition or a description of faith, and, it, and you can break it down into two parts. Uh, number one, it's the assurance of things hoped for. The New American Standard says, translates it, the certainty the th of things hoped for. The NIV says faith is confidence in what we hope for. This is how hard English language is. We just can't decide which word is the best, but they're all pretty similar. It's assurance, it's certainty, it's confidence. And I love how they kind of talk about how faith and hope go together. The same thing that is the object of our hope is also the object of our faith. And faith is a, a firm persuasion. It's a firm expectation that God will perform all that he has promised to us in Christ. There is assurance, there is certainty, there is confidence. So that's the first part of faith. The second part of faith is probably the part that we struggle with the most, and that is faith Faith is the conviction of things not seen. The New American Standard says a proof of things not seen. The NIV says assurance about what we do not see. And this is probably the harder part of faith because we like to be able to see things, right? We want proof. We want evidence. We want facts. And But really, honestly, like, how is it faith if you can see it? The very definition of faith is it's the things that are not seen. But it's still a conviction. It's a proof. It's, a, it's an assurance. And I know that everyone loves the Message Bible. Um, 
But I, I, I love Eugene Peterson. He's one of my favorite authors, and I love reading how he views God's word and, and how he translates it. And so he translates Hebrews 11 like this. He says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. And I like that. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Foundation is very important. It's important for a lot of things, and it's really important uh, for our lives. And it's important that it's firm uh, because life can be very hard at times. Um, Living a life of faith is not easy. We will spend most of our life trying to grow, hopefully, in our faith. And it will take a lifetime of growth and ups and downs and hardships uh, for our faith to grow. But hopefully we will stick with it. My prayer for each of us here this morning is that as each of us live out our own lives, that we will strive to build our faith and trust in God and that it can become the firm foundation that makes life worth living. So this morning, the question for each of us to ask ourselves, that I want us to ask ourselves, is where is your faith this morning? Um, I've told you guys this before, but I love that TV series called The Chosen. In fact, I am leading a small group with JJ and Emma on this TV series, and I'm telling you, it's weird, because normally I do not like this you know, Christian movies or Christian TV, anything. And, uh, but I absolutely just love watching the series and I love watching it with our small group every week. And I literally, I will watch it before our small group and then I watch it during our small group and I've already seen it before. I've seen it all. And, but I just watch it over and over. It's kind of like Breaking Bad or something. And, and, uh, I just can't stop watching it. And, and I love this series, I think, because one of the reasons I love it is because, you get to kind of watch the first people who chose to follow Jesus. You get to, you get to see, you kind of get a picture of maybe what their life was like. And I know a lot of it is imagination and because, you know, the scripture doesn't tell us everything about them and doesn't tell us everything about their lives. And so a lot of it is a man's interpretation or a woman's interpretation of what this looks like. But I just love reading, you know, it feels like when I watched The Chosen that these characters that I read about in the Bible and that I've read about since I was a little kid kind of come to life. Um, you, you get to see Peter and James and John and Mary and Martha and, and, and Jesus himself. In fact, Tyler is in our small group. And this last week after the episode, he said, you know, I just love the character who portrays Jesus. He is so good. In fact, I think when I get to heaven, if Jesus doesn't look like him, I'm going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, probably not. But, uh, <laughs> but it's true. The guy that plays Jesus is really good at playing Jesus. And, and, uh, and so I just love watching this show and watching the disciples. And I love watching how their faith in who Jesus is grows as they follow him and as they listen to him. And as, and you know, and the thing is their faith is, you know, like all over the place, you know, like initially they're like, I don't know what I think about who this guy is. And then it's like, oh, this, there's something to this person. And, and then they just continue to follow him and they continue to grow in their faith um, in Jesus. And all of us, every single one of us have our own story of how we came to know or hear 
about who Jesus is. And, and all of our stories uh, hopefully are leading us in a life of faith. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 16. And if you don't, you can follow along on the board or on your phone or whatever works. Matthew 16. And we're going to look through most of this chapter. Um, not all of it, but most of it. And because in this chapter of Matthew, I think we see different stories or things happening where we see different levels uh, or types of faith that are being demonstrated. And I think it shows us how each of us in our own lives kind of reflect these types of faith at different times. And, and so the first one is in Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. It says this, And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. And so the first group or level or type of faith I see here is actually no faith. Uh, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, they really don't have any faith in who Jesus is. They, in fact, they say, they come and they go, show us, show us a sign, all right? And, and so these two groups of people, these two political religious leaders, they actually, these two groups hated each other. Uh, but they had something in common is that they really didn't like Jesus even more. And so they come together uh, to, to test Jesus. And, and they're not interested in following Jesus. They're, they're not interested in believing in who Jesus was. Uh, they didn't believe in him. They were just looking for ways to trap him, uh, ways to accuse him. They wanted to discredit him. Uh, basically, they just wanted Jesus to go away. And, and so they came and they asked for a, a sign. They said, show us a sign. And the funny thing is, is if you read through Matthew, the first 15 chapters, over and over and over, Jesus has been demonstrating signs. Okay? Like he has, he's healed people. Uh, he has healed a lame, lame people. He has given sight to the blind. He's giving speech to the mute people. He has healed people with, from leprosy. He's cast demons out of people. He raised a girl from the dead. Uh, he fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000 with just a few loaves of bread and fish. Um, like, what other signs do these guys need? And yet they come and they say, show us a sign. And really you see that these people have no faith at all. They're asking for something more. They're, they're wanting Jesus to kind of prove it to them. And it's similar when Satan actually tempted Jesus. You remember the temptation of, of Jesus when he took him up on the temple and he said, throw yourself off. And if you are who you say you are, the angels will catch you, right? It is, it is a, a sign, ask, looking for a sign of proof or evidence. And, and it's easy for us to kind of look at the religious leaders and go, man, man, of all the people, you guys should have been the ones that had faith, that should have believed in who Jesus was, um, but yet they had no faith. But how often in our own lives do we kind of treat God the same way? We treat God, and I've done this, I've done this a lot in my life of, okay, God, 
just do this for me. Just prove this, you know, shouldn't I will I will really trust you and follow you if you just make this happen and and we test God and we and we try to get him to do things and and really that's not faith in God. That that is more just testing God. It isn't a faith in God. It's not wrong to ask God for things or to ask God to help us with things. I don't want you to get misunderstand that, but it's but it's important that we learn that no matter what happens in our life, that it's not dependent upon what God does for me. Um, it is dependent on how I love God and I know that he loves me. So that's the first uh, type of faith, and that is no faith. We see the next type of faith in verses 5 through 12. It says, When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing it, discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you failed to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I love this. I love this about the disciples, okay? Because this is the way my faith is a lot of times. It's just like, it's, it's a little faith, all right? It's not... It's not real good. And, uh, and, and Jesus, the disciples, they had gone across in the boat, and they realized that they had forgotten, uh, they had forgotten bread. And they're all worked up about it. Um, and Jesus tries to use this as like an opportunity to teach them a, a good lesson. And he says, hey, watch out for the leaven. Uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, don't really li- you shouldn't listen to what the Pharisees and the Sadducees are teaching you. It's not good. And they kind of discuss it among themselves. And all they can really come up with was the fact that they brought no bread. All right. And they're just kind of like totally focused on this. In fact, the Gospel of Mark actually tells us that they had one loaf of bread. All right. And so, but essentially they were like one loaf of bread. There's like 13 of us. This is not enough. Right. This is not going to feed all of us. What are we going to do? We only have one loaf of bread. And Jesus is like, oh, you of little faith. In fact, if he said it today, he would be like, are you kidding me? Like, are you, are you joking? You're, you're, you're worried about bread here? And then he, he goes, do you, not, do you not remember what I did with bread not too long ago? You know, you had, we had, how many do we feed? You know, 5,000 and how many? In fact, in Mark, he says, how many basketfuls left over do we have? Uh, 12, 12 basketfuls of bread uh, after feeding 5,000 people. And then he said, and, and with the 4,000 and seven loaves, which is not as good of a miracle, Jesus, you're kind of slacking off here. How many basketfuls of bread, though, do we have left over? He's like, they're like, uh, seven. And you're still asking about we have no bread. That's still your focus. That's still all you can think about and, and worry about. And, and I love that. He's like, you have little faith. And, and Eugene Peterson calls it, they call them runt believers. 
you know and a lot of times that's what we are we're like we're like runt believers like just tiny little babies just our faith is so small and and all we can focus on is is the bread is the circumstances of our life we so easily forget what jesus has done for us we forget how often he has been there for us how often he has supplied our needs how often he has met our needs how often even miraculously he has helped us and and, and we forget that and jesus is like are you you blind are you deaf do you do you not remember do you not perceive do you not understand And, and our faith is is little and and that's gonna be the way it is in our life sometimes there are gonna be times in our life where it's a struggle because the circumstances of life are very much in the forefront right they are just like right there in the front of our mind in the front of our eyes it's all we see and it's all we can focus on and and it's hard in those times to have faith it is in those times sometimes that our faith is small when we when we're focusing on the bread in, instead of focusing on the one who gives us that bread. And so there are going to be times in life where our faith is little. But little faith is still better than no faith. All right, let's read on. Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So here we see what I like to call saving faith. Jesus asked his disciples two questions. He says, first of all, who do the people say that the son of man is? Who do people say that I am? And then he asked, who do you say? that I am Uh, two very important but two very different questions Um, at this point in Jesus ministry there were a lot of people following him around because of the miracles that he had done because of his healings because of his teaching Uh, and there were a lot of different opinions about who Jesus was Uh, they says that some thought he was John the Baptist brought back to life one of the great prophets Elijah or Jeremiah or maybe just another great prophet and and that question was easy right for the disciples to answer it's easy when someone says who does everybody else what does everybody else think you know it's like well they think this or that or this or that but then jesus makes the question much more personal he says who do you say that i am this is a personal question that demands a personal answer and i imagine it got real quiet you know, suddenly in, in class when teacher asks a really hard question and everyone just kind of sits there and looks around at each other and, and wonders who's going to answer the question. And, 
and I imagine the disciples got quiet and were looking at one another, and Peter spoke up. You could always count on Peter uh, to speak up, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I just imagine I'd like to have seen Jesus' face when Peter made that statement, when Peter answered in that way. Uh, I imagine it just <laughs> lit up, like just a little bit ago, he was like, oh, you of little faith. And then it's like, who do you say I am? And Jesus and Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, and, and he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. The disciples' little faith had turned into a saving faith. The important thing here is not what other people said about who Jesus was, but what do you and I personally say about who Jesus is? Peter was declaring that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. But that's not all he says. He also says that Jesus was the Son of the living God. And so he's saying, who is Jesus? He says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are God. Um, that's, a, that's a huge statement that the disciples were coming to understand and to realize who Jesus was. I remember in September 18th, 1980, actually I don't normally remember the date, but I have a little uh, document that states this. But on September 18th, 1980, at the age of 10, I stood in the baptistry of our church and my teeth were chattering because the water was cold. Uh, it was late at night on a Wednesday and uh, my brother and I both uh, decided that we wanted to follow Jesus, that we wanted, we had gone to church for a while, but we were like, we're going to give our lives to Christ. And we made that good confession that says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And today I take him to be my Lord and savior. 10 year old, full of wisdom <laughs> and faith, right? Just starting off. But I really believed it. I understood who Jesus was, and I obviously I, there was a lot of things I had to still learn um, from that point. But I made that good confession. My little faith turned into a saving faith. Romans ten says, "For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved." For Scripture says, "Everyone who believes in Him, Jesus, will not be put to shame." And each of us. Every single one of us must personally answer the question of who do we say Jesus is. This question can't be answered by our parents for us. can't be answered by our friends around us. It can't be answered by our church. We each must decide for ourselves, what do I believe about Jesus? And we each have to decide for ourselves if we're willing to make that good confession and follow him and make him the Lord of our life. Which brings us to the final level of faith that I see in this chapter. And it's the kind of faith that I think Jesus calls us to. In Matthew 16, we're going to jump down to verses 24 and 25. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here I think we see a working faith. 
Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, there's something you're going to have to do. He says, deny yourself and take up your cross. Our faith is so much more than just believing that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. Our faith is also a working faith, a faith that strives to follow Jesus, to live like Jesus calls us to live. And this is where you will spend the rest of your life doing this. It's not as if you spend 10 years following Jesus and suddenly your faith has arrived and there is no more <laughs> growth in your faith. No, it's, it's a journey. It's, a, it's living a life of faith is a journey and there's going to be times where you're going to struggle in your faith and your faith is going to be little and your faith is going to be small. And, and there's going to be times where you're going to have doubts of your faith. And, and, and there's hopefully there's going to be mostly times of you just working hard to follow Jesus and, and trusting him. To be his disciple, Jesus says we have to, de to deny ourselves. To deny ourselves means to say no to ourself and to say yes to God. The process of denial is to humbly Submit my will to God's will. It's what Jesus did in the garden before he died on the cross for us when he said, not my will, but yours be done. To take up our cross means we have died to ourselves, to our selfish ways, to our selfish ambitions, and we, and we live for God and for his glory. It's an act of faith, and it's an act of surrender. If there's two books I could recommend for you guys to read um, that I've found very helpful in growing in my faith, uh, it is these two. N.T. Wright, Following Jesus, Biblical Reflections on Discipleship. Really good. I, and I like small books, you know, not like too big. Doesn't take too And, you know, you just pick up, read a chapter here and there. And then uh, Gary Thomas, The Glorious Pursuit, Embracing the Virtues of Christ. Both of these books um, I've found very helpful in understanding what it means to walk and follow Jesus and live a life of faith. And I, and I want to kind of get to the close here with this quote by Gary Thomas in his book, The Glorious Pursuit, because I think he describes this act of surrender uh, really well. He says, Surrender to God's purposes in the interior attitude is the interior attitude adjustment by which we can live above our time with the eternal perspective. Actually, we kind of said this in the invocation, right? That, that idea of living above our time. Um, and, and I love that. People who live on the surface of life are ruled by the circumstances, but surrender lifts us above momentary streams of events. Faith and surrender are based on the notion that God's good purposes will be worked out whether I see earthly blessing or not, and that in the meantime, I can experience an interior peace that passes all understanding by adopting a childlike trust. The measure of true faith is not how easy or difficult life becomes. It's how we maintain a spirit of surrender through the ups and downs of everyday living. And I love that. I love that people who live on the surface of life are ruled by the circumstances, right? And that's, that's where our little faith comes in. It's like because we're so focused on the circumstances of life and, and we're not focused on, on, on our God. 
and, and trusting in him. And so we have to surrender those things, those things that are right in front of us that are so hard and so scary. And, you know, like, am I going to get A's? Am I going to get a job? Am I going to find someone to love me for the rest of my life? Am I going to live in the place I love? To, you know, all those things. Am I going to, you know, deal with health issues, family issues? There's so many things that life throws at us that just want us to sit there and focus on and when we do they cause anxiety they cause us to want to escape um instead we need to focus our eyes on jesus and 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 in luke jesus says that we are to take up our cross daily dying to ourselves is something that we have to wake up every day and strive to do it's it's something that is a daily thing And, and and doing this is working how our faith is it easy no it's not easy it's going to take perseverance and it's going to take uh trust and it's going to take time we need to be patient with ourselves um and and not get down on ourselves when our faith is little or when we have doubts Uh, we need to understand it's a process and we need to understand we serve a god who has infinite patience we are very impatient people right we want things right away uh, we w- don't want to wait for things, uh, but we serve a God who's very patient with us, and, and he wants to develop our faith I- as we walk and follow him. This morning, where is your faith? Have you answered the question of who do you say that Jesus is for yourself? Have you made that good confession? Uh, does your faith seem little right now? That's Okay. Ask God to help you find ways to increase your faith and trust in him. Is your faith working? Are you humbly surrendering all parts of your life to God? Are you learning to trust in his purposes? My prayer for each of us as we strive to live a life of faith is that we would take our faith serious. That we would take it serious and that we would make it a priority in our life. And I think if we do, it will mean even when we don't understand where God's leading or we don't understand where what God is doing. I think if we take our faith serious, we will continue to put our faith and trust in him uh, who has shown us how much uh, he has loved us. My prayer is that we can each have a firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for each person that's here this morning. And I thank you, God, that they chose to be here because of their um, desire to grow in their faith in you. Uh, Lord, um, living this life of faith is not easy, and and I am grateful for for Jesus who has come before us, uh, who has shown us uh, how to do it. And I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on him, Uh, to trust in him um, to get us through uh, each day. Lord, we need one another. Help us to lean on each other uh, to grow in our faith. Help us to seek people out that can encourage us in our faith. Um, Lord, you are so good, and we pray that we can faithfully follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.